there's a sort of saying I have, which I like to say fairly often, and I think landscape photography is 90% frustration and about 10% elation. But those moments where you get that 10% shot is far outweighs all of the failed attempts of when you go out thinking you're going to get a good sunrise, you might drive for an hour, park up at a lake, wait for things, something to happen, nothing happens, you sit there in the car for an hour, and then you drive around, you turn around and you go home again, and you don't even get out of the car and shoot anything, you know, and so those images will never see the light of day, but it just makes you so much more grateful and appreciative for when you do get that moment that's unique, something you didn't expect, or something you've expected and anticipated for a really long time. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, mums, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road or you work a 9 to 5 and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car, and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious, and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly, and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail, and I also keep a stash in the van, just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Welcome to Aotearoa Adventures. Today I'm sitting down with Megan Maloney and I'm really looking forward to talking about all things landscape photography. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey everybody, I'm Megan Maloney, a landscape photographer here in New Zealand. Um, absolutely love the country we live in. I think we're so uh, lucky to have um, such amazing landscapes, so it makes my job really easy. That's awesome. Have you always been based in Aotearoa and where are you living at the moment? Um, yeah, most of my life. I've been a bit of a gypsy. I've kind of lived all over the place. I've lived in oh. North Auckland, South Auckland, Waikato, Wellington, spent about three years over in the UK. So yeah, I've kind of moved around, but the Waikato is where I currently call home. I live in Cambridge, which is a beautiful little town growing very quickly, but I'm um, just outside of Hamilton um, and it's lovely because it's sort of green and rolling hills and yeah, it's got beautiful landscapes. Not Maybe not so scenic as the South Island, but it's kind of nice to come back to here as a as a home base mm, that's really special um have you always been like an outdoorsy person in your childhood and stuff were you sort of drawn to the outdoors and the landscapes or was that something that you sort of fell in love with a bit later on well growing up my dad was always into hiking and so he would drag us kids out on um, lots of hikes whether we wanted to go or not to be honest um <laughs> I have this vague recollection of one day he took us up on the North Egmont and we got somewhat lost on the mountain and a bit of like low visibility and ended up doing this kind of traversing on a non no track across and eventually came to a hut. I just distinctly recall my mum being very annoyed with him when we got home that um, he'd sort of uh, put us semi in a little bit of danger as sort of like five and eight year olds. But yeah, no, I think that love of the outdoors sort of stemmed from him and I probably had a 
period of my life where I wasn't so much into the outdoors, but always still loved traveling. And um, yeah, landscape photography has really brought me back to that place of, um, you know, I've done so many things since taking up landscape photography that I never envisaged doing. Um, but it's just been kind of like the catalyst and like the inspiration for um, a lot of the adventures that I have. Mm, that is so cool to hear. And I, I love that your dad took you out on adventures, even if they were somewhat a little bit sketchy. sketchy. Um, but it, it makes for a good story, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, when was the first time you picked up a camera? Um, I think I probably always had a camera to some extent, even if it was just a really basic point and shoot. Like I think back to being in South Africa back in 2002 and the camera that I thought was amazing back then and the photos I <laughs> thought were amazing and I just have to laugh at myself for, for thinking I was taking good photos um, not knowing what I know now but um, it was really in around um, 2011 that I got my first DSLR um, I was sort of inspired by my brother in Australia who had um, started doing a bit of street sort of photography and I, when I saw what he was doing I was like oh that can't be too hard but mostly I was just doing um, um, photos of the kids and our adventures in and around Wellington as a bit of a blog because we had family living in the Waikato and also in England it was a way for the grandparents to kind of stay in touch with what we we're up to so cool. it kind of started yeah. with kids and the kids in the outdoors and then it kind of just grew from there um into being way more into the landscapes and far less into taking photos of the children it's um really funny you mentioned first cameras it's just reminded me of I don't know if it was necessarily my first camera but mum and dad had this digital like point and shoot and it didn't have a screen on it but it was like one step up from film must have been I don't know early 2000s and I thought it was so cool and there's this one photo of me like I, I must have been like I don't know four or five and I'm like holding one eye shut so that I could look through the viewfinder because I hadn't learned how to like shut one eye yet. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> Oh, no, that's so cool. I, I love um, to hear how it started and how that journey's begun. And tell me about some of the awards that you've won at the moment and, and I guess some of that recognition that you've got for your work. Um, yeah, probably the, the, the best one is um, being a finalist in the Sony Alpha Awards in 2018. Um, mm. And that was an image that was taken up at the Puakai Tarn on a really beautiful morning with a bit of really sort of subtle golden light and this really this sort of scarf of cloud that hung over Mount Taranaki. Um, people who follow me will have will know the image I'm talking about because I've sort of I share it quite a bit and it's one of my favorites because I kind of feel like that sort of kick-started my journey in terms of being a Sony ambassador and um, having a close relationship with um, Sony just kind of being sort of seen in that way and yeah the, the memories of kind of hiking up there in the dark staying the night and getting up for a sunrise it's not it's not a really long hike but it's still not it's still not an easy hike to do in the dark climbing up all those stairs for two and a half mm. hours kind of on, yeah. the, on the hope that you're going to get something out of it so uh, yeah that's probably my sort of my favorite memory and um you know an image that's kind of kick-started everything for me so that's awesome and how cool that that's in Taranaki where you had some hikes with your with your dad as well yeah that's, totally. that's pretty cool I feel like weather is probably one of the biggest factors in landscape photography you might tell me I'm completely wrong no no you're but, completely um, right <laughs> <laughs> phew but with the way that the weather is in New Zealand I mean we can have four seasons in a day how do you even begin to sort of plan for a shot that you want to take yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I am a 
um, obsessive compulsive watcher of weather apps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I normally check about three and if they all agree, great. And if they don't, it's like, hmm, which one am I going to believe right now? Um, <laughs> any landscape photographers around New Zealand will tell you that um, YR.no is sort of probably one of the ones that they refer to quite a lot. Um, okay. And there are sort of, I don't know, the more you spend time in a, in a region of New Zealand, because I mean, we have so many crazy microclimates, even within the Mackenzie country, you can have four different basically weather forecasts in the space of a half an hour drive so it can be really challenging to forecast and to get the conditions that were even predicted on the forecast so a lot of the time it's just about turning up and and, and hoping I mean you get a a feel for I mean I probably wouldn't go out if it was you know forecast for 200 mils of torrential rain because you're probably likely to get you know some kind of rain event happening but things that are semi-marginal honestly the amount of times the forecast is wrong and you just have to go out anyway and and give it a go I mean I run a lot of workshops around the country and with those you're a little bit more limited in that you can't you know, you can't reschedule it already on a workshop. Yeah. So you just have to make the best of what you get given and find something that you can shoot irrespective of whether you've got, you know, very foggy conditions or mm-hmm. a bit of wind or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, apps are great, forecasts are great, but um, sometimes you just have to take a punt really and, um, you know, make the best of what you get given. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And um, I'm always gutted when you see on Instagram like this incredible sunrise and that's just like, oh, I wasn't even awake for that. Like, where are these, where do you find out when these amazing sunrises or even sunsets are going to happen? <laughs> um, yeah. So that's really cool to know that there's weather apps that you can check. And do they have things like cloud cover and, and stuff like that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And that was um, something I was going to say is I'm, I'm often on the lookout for some fairly unique cloud cover conditions Mm. so I love looking for 100% high cloud forecasts because that's when you get some kind of underlit just either just before it's coming up or just after it's gone down Um, so you kind of almost need the sun to be below the horizon to create those conditions Um, anything where you've got layers of different cloud but they're not at 100% is always good because then you can get different clouds lighting up at different times depending on the angle of the sun yeah. if you get a hundred percent of everything it's usually guaranteed it's going to be gray and dull and boring <laughs> um but you know mood might mood might be what you're going for on that particular location mm. too so um yeah why both wire and windy um, which is the other one i use quite a bit they're pretty good at um giving you those sort of high middle and low cloud because every different part of you know the, the cloud base can give you some yeah. really different um, results so kind of understanding what the clouds do in each situation is really helpful to kind of you know plan for what kind of result you could get yeah oh that's so interesting I've, I've already learned so much about clouds thanks <laughs> for that little that little crash course <laughs> um but I feel like the other thing with landscape photography is that you will have a lot more adventures than someone who's shooting say portraits or street photography or real estate so tell us about some of your favorite adventures and I know you did one that was sort of back and forth across the South Island from the east to west coast so tell us about some of your favorite ones that sort of jump out at you yeah, I think um, I think people sometimes will see when I maybe post a little comment on Instagram about what I've done to get the shot and kind of just like laugh at how crazy uh, I've been prepared to drive, you know, silly distances to kind of get a shot. But 
I think what I was saying earlier about how um, you know crazy the weather conditions can conditions can be and how different they can be from one small region to a next means you're constantly having to kind of be ahead of the game and actually looking ahead at what's happening you know in places and so um, one I did back in it was probably about June I think it was June 2000 um, sorry 2021 with a good friend that has a camper van and we we go on a lot of adventures you probably know Laurie Winter she's reasonably yeah. well known in the New Zealand landscape photography scene and we are very lucky in that we you know we get along really well we've got similar interests in terms of our photography goals I've got very understanding husbands who let us go away together for <laughs> that always helps. periods of time yeah it definitely helps anyway this particular um, trip we just actually finished up a workshop in the Catlins and so we'd planned another week of sort of just going where the weather would take us and um, this particular morning found us at the Moiraki boulders we'd actually already spent a couple of days down in the Catlins um, doing some astro at Nugget Point and at um, Karatani and yeah, we, we were deciding that we would be um, in place for sunrise, but we'd also scoped out that there was a fairly good weather window opening up at Lake Matheson on the west coast. It's only about a six and a half hour drive from one place <laughs> to the other. And we, we kind of clocked it and we're like, okay, we think we can do both, but it means we're going to have to leave right after sunrise. I'm going to be driving all day to get there in time for sunset. But um, anybody who knows the West Coast well knows that it's a pretty, pretty uh, known for its rainfall. And yeah. when you see calm and good conditions um, opening up, um, it was somewhere you kind of had on a hit list to go visit. So we're like, surely we can do both in one day. Would this have been in winter when your days were a little bit shorter? Yeah, in winter. So you don't even have as many daylight hours anyway. So, yeah, you know, we yeah, finished yeah. a sunrise shoot at like half past eight, nine o'clock jumping in the camper van, driving across country. I remember that we got stuck in some awful roadworks um, along Lake Wanaka too. They were, I think they were busy laying the fibre cable between uh, Wanaka <laughs> and the West Coast. And so, you know, we're looking at our watches at around like one o'clock going, oh my gosh, are we even going to make it? And you know when you're driving in a camper van, you're not going super fast. You know, you, you can't you can't drive at 100 or 110 yep. k's an hour regularly. You're not overtaking other people. Yeah, you're, exactly. you're just going yeah. really slowly, plodding totally. along. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I think we finally made it to Lake Matheson around like, I don't know, maybe 3.30, which gave us all of like 10 minutes to like pack and do the hike because it's about a 30, 40 minute walk around to Reflection Island, which is where yeah. some of the best, best shots are at. And um, when we turned up in the car park, there was just this like low cloud obscuring most of the mountains. Not, there was, and it was just hanging, hanging there. And we were like, can't believe we've just driven six hours and we're not even going to be able to see the mountains like what the heck and yeah obviously we just were like well we're here now we might as well do the, the walk but by the time we had done that sort of 40 minute walk and, and ended up in a spot we wanted to be for sunset the the clouds just kind of started to break up little by little and then by the time we got to kind of half an hour before sunset it was completely clear as per forecast and um one of the reasons why I love shooting Lake Matheson at that time of the year is that you get the sun setting 180 degrees behind the mountains. So if wow. you get that, you get this amazing color that lights up and it kind of changes from yellow to orange to copper through to like purple by the time you get to dusk. And you just get this incredible range of different colors and mm. glow on the mountain over the yeah. period of about 
45 minutes or so. Um, so that was pretty special. Yeah, and then um, the next day we were, we, another reason we'd been um, shooting on the coast is the South Island in the middle of winter can get this incredible inversion cloud that just sits low mm-hmm. and sits in and around Wanaka and Queenstown and yeah. McKenzie and it can sit there for days and days if there's no wind to blow it away. And so we'd been literally, you know, trying to avoid it. I mean, it's, it's cool to shoot in the fog, but you don't want a whole week of it. And so we were driving back through the pass. We didn't really have any particular plan of where we were going to end up, but we um, were kind of driving through and we were getting close to Wanaka. And I said to Laurie, how do you feel about climbing Royce Peak? And she was like, are you crazy? That's like not a short, you know, it's not a short hike. But another thing I do when I'm using like the apps is I spend a lot of time looking at webcams to see what's happening like right now in places. That's and really Wendy's cool. got a whole lot of um, really good webcams around the country, one of which is at the top of Royce Peak. So, you know, we knew that this inversion cloud was sitting in the town, but we could see that it was beautifully clear up yeah. the top, up yeah. above the clouds. And so, yeah, by the time we got back to, I think it was like highway, we pulled in and had another look at the forecast and we're like, what the heck, let's just do it. Let's just walk up to Royce Peak for sunset, get above the clouds and we'll get this really cool view of the, you know, the sunset with this this kind of cloud inversion underneath. Um, and I was kind of lucky that I had walked the Milford Track reasonably recently before that. So I still had a bit of residual fitness because, yeah, it's not a, it's not an easy walk, particularly. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just the fact that it's that track and there's no kind of yeah. variation like you'd have on yeah. a tramping track and, yeah, coming down in the dark, yeah, after dark, and then we, we ran into these, like, cattle on the track, and then the scary eyes looking at you with your head oh, torn, yep, yep. a bit freaky. We were pretty sore the next day, but, um, yeah, it was so worth it, and I guess one of the things that was great about going up there then is because we were still in COVID times, there really wasn't a lot of people around. I think there was one other couple up the top mm. for the entire time we were up there um and you know I've since driven past that car park on multiple occasions and seen how crazy busy it is there so to have that place all to ourselves for that for that sunset was pretty cool yeah I do also find some of those um I guess popular spots are less crowded at sort of sunrise and sunset because people might not be comfortable walking up or down in the dark and stuff so that's that's so cool that you got to have it by yourself and wow, what what a story to go um, from Moraki to like Matheson and back to Roy's Peak. I, I can't wait to have a look at all of those shots, but I also feel like you've described them so well that I can almost just picture them in my in my mind. Lake Matheson is definitely one of those spots that photographers love. And like you said, the weather can be so unpredictable there. <laughs> yeah. I've got a friend, you, you might know her, Lauren Caford, but I think she has been to that you know, that spot around the lake. I think she said somewhere around like 30 or 40 times just waiting for the weather. And like you said, you, you don't quite know until you get there. So you've kind of got to take a, take a bit of a guess. And she said she had it down to like a 15-minute sprint by the, by the time she finally got the shot. <laughs> Gosh, that's impressive because with photography gear and a tripod, I yeah, there would be no running from me. I just always have to allow <laughs> enough time for a slow a slow walk. Yeah, I I feel like it was a situation where they were just um camped on the west coast for a couple of days, just like waiting for this, and and they had a couple of trips like that where the weather just didn't clear because it's the west coast, and my experience of the west coast is four days of rain, no sunshine, so yeah. it's pretty normal, I think. <laughs> totally. 
another quite cool adventure which has got a long kind of lead in time is um, I first became aware that we had this thing called the Aurora Australis in New Zealand probably back in about 2016. We're probably at the kind of you know one of the lower points in the solar cycle at that stage but we're still getting the odd um, display and I was quite keen to see it and shoot it but obviously I live in the North Island it's mostly good displays in the South Island so trying to time a trip to coincide with good um, aurora was not always that easy and so I think the very first time um, actually it was my first trip around the South Island with Laurie in a juicy camper van um, back in 2016 I think we literally left Moak Lake and I flew back home and the next day there was a really good aurora display and I was like damn it missed it maybe next time (laughs) and then um in June 2017 I was down in the middle of July with a a friend a different friend on another camper van trip and we ended up down in the Catlins and um I ended up driving back through to the Mackenzie because I'd seen um hoarfrost now that's another thing I've been very unlucky at never being in the right place at the right time but I've got to believe that if I got finally got the aurora I will someday shoot the hoarfrost um and again it's just another one of those things that can be there and then gone again yeah and they it comes so quickly and goes so quickly doesn't it totally um and on this particular um trip we ended up spending the night in Tekapo and there's been there'd been quite a lot of snow and it was really icy at the um campground and it took me quite some time to maneuver the camper van into position in the little uh, site we had and went to sleep that night, woke up in the morning, and all of my Aurora apps had gone crazy overnight. And I was like, you're kidding me. I have missed it again. But oh, to be fair no. on that occasion, i actually not sure how I would have felt about driving out in the dark through all the ice to go somewhere to shoot it. So, yeah, so that was the second major time I kind of missed this big display. And I was actually there. I just didn't get it because I was asleep and also not prepared to drive yeah. in really icy conditions. And then in... 20, I think it was 2020. Laurie and I were meant to do a trip to the to Ruapehu, but there was some, you know, reasonable Aurora conditions forecast. So at the very last minute, we booked flights to the South Island for a Labour weekend to see if we could chase it. And this particular three or four days, cloud everywhere. Like I mean, everywhere. We went from the Mackenzie down to Nugget Point, and then during the day, there'd be these really like high high KP. Um, numbers so it was either too cloudy or just not the right time of the day to get it yeah and then um yeah I just literally have been unlucky by a day or so either side of all those displays and then everything kind of finally came to a uh, a head this year when I um, was running a workshop in the Mackenzie with Rach Gillespie uh, and on the final morning of our workshop we'd, we'd actually not had very good conditions for astro um, there'd been a lot of fog around which is more common in winter but we were getting it in autumn which was quite unusual mm. um, so we hadn't actually managed to get out and really get any decent astro shots and through the workshop but the last morning um, one of the guys on the workshop was from Australia and he was pretty into avora hunting and he set his camera up on the back fence as we were all about to jump in the van to go up to Peter's lookout for sunrise. And he just, he came running over and he was so excited. He's like, oh my gosh, look at this, look at this on the back of the camera. And everyone was still faffing around getting their stuff in the vehicle. And I was just like, right, everybody, don't worry about anything. Just jump in right now. We've got to get down to the lake's edge because it was still dark, but I knew we maybe only had about a half an hour of time before it was too light to shoot. So 
I'm sort of maybe drive a little bit fast, safely fast down uh, down that main road and twice <laughs> to get down to Lake Rotani yeah. Farm. We were able to get about probably about 15 or 20 minutes of pretty nice conditions just as sort of dawn was breaking. But and during that day, I had to drive back to Christchurch to drop some people off from the workshop and then I swapped my van for a car and then I drove back down to Tekapo and I was um, meeting up with um, a really lovely couple from Perth and we had been planning to do like a private couple of day photography workshop since pre-COVID and this we'd finally after three years managed to get together and I told them Mm -hmm. I was already going to be in that area because I've been running this workshop so I'd already driven something like seven hours that day to Christchurch and back again and I remember messaging them in the afternoon because we weren't due to meet up till about 6pm. And I said, I don't know if you um, are aware, but there's a pretty big aurora kind of happening right now. Would you guys be keen to maybe head over to Twizel tonight and see if we can capture it? And and they were aware of it and they were like, yeah, that sounds really cool. So um, we drove back to Twizel. We got there just before dark uh, and Lake Rotani Far was already littered with people like there was every man and his dog was there trying to capture it <laughs> and yeah and just just after yeah. dark um, it, yeah the, the display was incredible and I think they were they were quite happy to sort of just see it and take a few shots and then jump in the car because they're from Perth they were finding it reasonably cold I mean cold and yeah I can imagine yeah, autumn and Twizel's not that cold compared to winter but if you've come from a really warm climate I guess you would be finding it a bit chilly so um but yeah I was just I was just amazed to be able to capture it both in the morning and in the evening and it kind of uh what's it you know when you kind of feel like you've got this just you've just got this run of bad luck that you just think is never ever yeah but I was like, okay seven yeah. years seven years and it's finally I've uh, finally done it so um yeah it was it was worth yeah. waiting for to be there for a display that big but I must say since then we've we've obviously been having quite a few really amazing displays this year absolutely kills me when I'm in Cambridge and I like I know that <laughs> if I went up the local hill behind my house I could probably get something but when you know you've already shot something incredible like the desire to actually yeah go up the back of the of this hill and get something that's probably about a 10% as good as what everyone in the South Island's getting I'm like oh what's the point you know like it's just you just but I love living vicariously through what other people are capturing and seeing everyone's stories and how they've gone out and and found some really cool locations so at least now I can appreciate the the feeling of what they're getting because I know I've actually finally been able to to get it myself so yeah that's so awesome and I feel like the aurora this year like I saw iPhone photos which captured it people could actually see it with the naked eye so yeah that that sounds incredible and I'm so glad that you you finally got that shot me too Um, it is funny that you mentioned like the things that people say or I'm in a couple photography groups on Facebook and sometimes the comments of like I can't believe you'd drive you know six hours and blah 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 (laughs) but when you see the end results like from this whole conversation you either are there right right place right time or you have to plan and make it fit around that so that you are there at the right place at the right time because the weather can just change and there's so many different factors that kind of create that perfect image and you've got some incredible photos so it it definitely pays yeah it, it does and you know I there's a sort of saying I have which I like to say fairly often I think landscape photography is 90% frustration and about 10% elation. But those <laughs> moments where you get that 10% shot is 
far outweighs all of the failed attempts of when you go out thinking you're going to get a good sunrise you might drive for an hour park up at a lake wait for things something to happen nothing happens you sit there in the car for an hour and then you drive around you turn around and you go home again and you don't even get out of the car and shoot anything you know and so those images will never see the light of day but it just makes you so much more grateful and appreciative for when you do get that that moment that's unique something you didn't expect or something you've expected and anticipated for a really long time 100 percent. i i wholeheartedly agree with that do you have any tips for other landscape photographers maybe people that are sort of just starting out or it's something that they want to get into more yeah give us some of your best advice well obviously i, I touched on the weather apps and things earlier and i highly recommend at least downloading wire and windy and kind of getting to know the functionality of those um, and you know what you can use each one for like the other thing I didn't mention is I'll often look at the satellite on Windy just to kind of see what, what clouds are incoming because you can kind of predict a, some decent sunset um, kind of conditions with that obviously sunrise is a little harder because you're generally asleep and you just have to get up and hope for the best and also I use filters in my landscape photography and they're kind of game-changing for um, being able to improve your shots so I'm actually the case filters distributor here in New Zealand um, and I like promote these on my workshops and things as well but even just using a polarizer to enhance some of the um, colors you're getting in your scene and reducing glare and then and using long shutter speeds to kind of create a bit of a surreal effect um, during, you know, if you've got some water or some clouds that have got movement in them, then, you know, that can actually really um, turn a, a shot that is not something we'd see with the naked eye, but it becomes this real surreal kind of artistic feel to an image. So I wouldn't be without my filters. I don't, you know, use them 100% of the time. And more often than not, I call them my get out of jail free card because I think they are just something to have in your back pocket to be able to pull out and either improve a scene that's not perfect or enhance something that's already really good and make it better. So, um, but otherwise, it is literally about going out and, and learning. I mean, I still have complete moments where I forget that I might have shot Astro the night before and I've got my, my camera on manual focus and I shoot a sunrise and then I go back and go, oh good, everything's out of focus because I forgot to go back from manual focus to autofocus. So just, I think sometimes you learn as much from the mistakes you make as when things go right. Because if things go right, but you don't know why they went right, then you can never replicate that. Or you can't sort of, you know, you, can't, you, you just go, oh, I got lucky or I don't understand why that shot looks so good. It just looks good. But the more mm. you make mistakes and and things don't go perfectly, the more you actually will, you know, learn as you go. And it is just pr about practice makes perfect. I mean, they say it's 10,000 hours to become a, an expert in any given sort of field. And, um, you know, if you've only taken yeah. a thousand shots, you're probably still on the, you know, the, the start of the journey. I mean, sometimes I can take, not saying that if I take 10,000 shots a year, generally there might be, I don't know, couple of hundred that I love amongst that 10,000 but you know it just it is just about a matter of time and um you know, also finding you know you can find a niche within landscape photography I mean I absolutely love shooting waterfalls and rivers and forests and that's not everybody's cup of tea people sometimes don't like that because it can be quite um they can be quite chaotic scenes to shoot forests because it's just so much going on but um, sometimes I actually find them more rewarding than um, maybe just because they're a little bit more, what's the word, constant. Um, you know, you can, so long as a day's cloudy and not too windy, you can generally go somewhere with forest and water and, and get a really lovely result. Whereas sunrise and sunset tends to be a little bit more hit and miss as to, you know, what you're going to get. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so cool. That's really interesting because I, I find it quite hard to sort of shoot in, in the bush or at waterfalls and stuff. Um, so maybe I need to have a bit of a look through your photos to get some inspiration. And I also love that you still might forget to switch the focus over. Oh, totally. or <laughs> um, it's It's good to know that those mistakes still keep happening. My probably best photo fail is when I was trying to shoot Astro probably one of the first times and left the lens cap on and I'm like why do I not see anything you'd be surprised how many times that happens when I'm out taking Astro we're like <laughs> why can we not get any stars to focus on and then I'll like put my hand around the front like yeah because the lens cap's still on yeah that would be why um yeah m- the the time that I did that I I didn't even have a tripod or anything we were just at um Mount Ruapehu um, Tongariro National Park and I just kind of like popped the camera on the roof of the car and just like hit the shutter a couple of times and I was like no nope, there's nothing there it's way too cold I'm just gonna go back inside <laughs> and then got back in the car and I was like oh cool my lens cap's on that's all right <laughs> but yeah it's it's super interesting to hear how much sort of thought and and I just I love that approach that you take with your photography because I feel like when I'm out there having adventures it's I kind of wing it a little bit more I'm not checking the weather I love to hike for sunrise but that's also because there's not many other people there a lot of the time but I kind of just work with what's there and I never really know what to expect and actually one of my favorite photos this year I wasn't actually behind the lens, I think I was driving, but Isaac, my husband, had the camera out the side of a window, and Lake Pukaki was the most calm flat that I have ever, ever seen it, and you know that lake can have like proper waves, Um, and this day it was just like absolute glass, and usually to get that kind of glassy effect, like you said, you'd have to have a tripod and low shutter speed and all the rest of it, but we were in a car driving along the side of the lake and it was probably like a a 10,000 shutter speed or something and we just got this amazing photo and I don't know sometimes it's the stories behind that like you wouldn't know that from seeing the picture but I feel like even hearing your stories about Mauraki and Lake Matheson and Roy's Peak and knowing the effort that went into it not that any effort went into our our photo but (laughs) the stories behind it um, just make it so much more special for for the people that take the photos I suppose Um, no it's been so cool well, do you have any um, bucket list shots that you're still waiting to get? Um, I know you mentioned the hoarfrost, but are there any other locations or conditions that, that you're, you're still wanting to shoot? Yeah, the hoarfrost is probably up there at the top of my list, like any hoarfrost. I'll just take any hoarfrost anywhere um, <laughs> because, as I said, I keep seem to miss it, missing it by um, a day or so either side of coming down for workshops and things the last couple of years. So surely surely next year my luck will change to keep believing yeah I mean there's probably still a few places in the country that I haven't been that I would you know would really love to to take some images and I guess I'm quite lucky in that because I run workshops I do get to travel a reasonable amount um next year I've got a couple on the west coast um which is something different um and one sort of in Fiordland and we on the Fiordland one next year we're gonna hopefully do a helicopter flight over Dusky and it's not a part of Fiordland I've ever seen before so to see that from the air and maybe do a landing or or something will be pretty epic um so yeah those are probably the two things sort of seeing some more of the remote parts of Fiordland um and also yeah getting a hoarfrost shot just even just I've got a I've got an awful story about why you should always stop 
and um, it's my own fault and I'm totally owning it. Back in 2018, I was on a trip with my camper van trip with my dad, father-daughter trip, and I wanted to treat him to see some of the sites. He hadn't been down the South Island for about 20 years. And we um, were hanging around Mount Cook waiting for some really low uh, cloud to lift because um, we wanted, I wanted to get him up for a scenic flight and it just wasn't clearing. And then I saw someone had been over on the West Coast at Lake Matheson I've got a bit of an addiction to this place, um, that morning and I was like, well, it's clear over there and it's not clear here. What the hey, let's just drive to Lake Matheson. So I did a simpler drive from, yeah. you know, Mount Cook, yeah. Araki, all the way around. There was four frost in Twizel and I drove straight through it because oh. we were on our way to the West Coast and I was on a mission to get there. And uh, the biggest regret of my life is that we didn't stop and shoot it that day. So now, even like when we're on a workshop or just on a trip and you see some light and you think, oh, that looks great, but I'm on my way somewhere else. I'm just going to carry on. I just always now will try and force myself to stop because inevitably that light will only be like that for five minutes or 10 minutes at the most. Yeah. And if you go and do the thing you wanted to do and then come back, it's never going to look the same. So yeah, mm. that was a huge yeah. learning for me is to stop and take the shot when you see the shot because it won't yeah. be there in five or ten minutes. It will change. And you know, sometimes the journey is better than the destination that you had in mind. Mm. Yeah, that kind of comes back to the right place, right time, and you've got to recognize those moments, um, even if you had other plans. That's so cool. Well, Megan, where can people find you on socials if they want to connect with you? You've mentioned the workshops and the filters that you've got as well. Um, give us all the links and I'll pop them in the description. Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram at Megan Maloney Photography and same on Facebook. Um, and I also have a website, which is very long, meganmalonephotography.co.nz. I didn't think about that when I was setting that up, how long that was to type. Um, so, yeah, so those are probably the three main places that I, you can kind of find me and um, hang out. I'm pretty active on Instagram, um, share stories most days and things, not always photography-related, sometimes, you know, family and life too. I always think it's nice to kind of share a bit more about what's, you know, you as an individual and people see you as a real person, not just all the yeah, fun photography stuff. 100%. I remember seeing your recent trip, was it overseas with your boys earlier mm -hmm. this year? Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome to sort of follow along on those adventures. I'm I'm always there for the personal things as well, so that's really cool. And yeah, I'll, I'll make sure all of those are linked in the description so that people can click on it instead of typing in a long <laughs> URL. <Totally. laughs> Thank you so much, Megan. It's been really, really cool to have a chat to you about all things landscapes. And I think we're so lucky in Aotearoa to have just incredible scenes everywhere, even if the weather can be a little bit tricky to, to manage. But um, you've, you've shared so much helpful information. Oh, you're very welcome. I've really enjoyed chatting. I call myself a photographer and I am a photographer, but when I see Megan's work, it is really, really humbling. And um, her landscape photography is just absolutely next level. I think it is so cool to be able to have a peek behind the veil and see what goes into getting those incredible shots um, and just talking about the weather and how much that can kind of make or break your images, your photography, um, and just all the things that have to line up um, to, to get an incredible shot and, and those moments that you get to experience. It was just such a cool conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well, whether or not um, you find yourself behind the camera um but Megan had some pretty epic stories about how she got those shots as well and I'm sure that that can inspire your next adventure 
Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.